1: OUT THERE ALL AROUND THE WORLD TO THE LATE SHOW. I'M YOUR HOST, STEPHEN COLBERT. YOU KNOW... <laughs> I KNOW... I KNOW IT CAN BE HARD TO BELIEVE, BUT I'M GETTING A LITTLE OLDER. <laughs> YEAH, I'M 58. Huh. PRETTY GOOD Holy SHAPE. Nice. PRETTY GOOD SHAPE, THANK YOU VERY MUCH. I THINK, I think YOU'RE SEXY, TOO. <laughs> BUT THE BLOOD PRESSURE IS A LITTLE HIGH, SO MY DOCTOR HAS GOT ME A STRICT regimen TO LOWER MY STRESS LEVEL. EIGHT HOURS OF SLEEP, STAY HYDRATED, AND DO NOT BE PRESIDENT OF THE UNITED STATES. (laughs) EVIDENTLY, A BIT OF A STRESSFUL JOB. THAT'S WHY IT IS SO IMPORTANT THAT THE COMMANDER-IN-CHIEF STAY HEALTHY. SO TODAY, JOE BIDEN HAD HIS ANNUAL PHYSICAL. Okay, IT WAS A CLEAN BILL OF HEALTH, ALTHOUGH HIS X-RAY DID REVEAL SEVERAL CLASSIFIED DOCUMENTS. (laughs) GOTTA LOOK EVERYWHERE. GOTTA LOOK EVERYWHERE. NEXT, COLONOSCOPY. (laughs) The presidential physical is pretty thorough. They do a a colonoscopy, blood tests, and as part of the dental exam, Biden pulls Air Force One with his teeth. (laughs) Physicians said they'd be checking out Biden's eyes, hearing, and anything else he may complain about. (laughs) Anything else he may complain about, the man is 80 years old. (laughs) I hope you packed a lunch. Okay, Mr. President, just a recap here. Your left knee tingles before it rains. HOW COME um, THE CLOCK ON MY PHONE DOESN'T TICK? Uh, THEY DON'T PUT REAL BUTTER ON THE POPCORN AT THE MOVIE THEATERS ANYMORE, AND THE DINER'S CHARGING TWICE WHAT THEY USED TO FOR A NICE PLATE OF scrod. GOT IT. <laughs> NOW, HERE'S THE THING. We, WE DON'T HAVE THE FULL RESULTS YET, BUT WE DO KNOW THE PRESIDENT TESTED POSITIVE FOR OLD AF. <laughs> BECAUSE BIDEN IS THE OLDEST PRESIDENT EVER, SETTING A NEW RECORD EVERY MORNING. YES! (laughs) EVERY DAY HE WAKES UP. A NEW RECORD. THAT'S IMPRESSIVE. EVERY DAY HE WAKES UP, THERE'S A GUY FROM THE GUINNESS BOOK WITH A PLAQUE THAT READS, STILL ALIVE. And Biden's age, you know, it's just a number, but it is important because he's expected to announce a re-election bid soon, so his advisors have a plan to keep him looking spry. Reportedly, they want to focus on events that play up the president's vitality, which is why Biden will be the keynote speaker at this year's Palooza, <laughs> Sponsored by Velcro shoes. <laughs> to ease his load... Biden will likely be getting some help on the campaign trail. One advisor says that if he runs in 2024, there will be a range of surrogates that show the diversity of the party all across the ages, from Maxwell Frost to Bernie Sanders. Yes, Bernie Sanders, because nothing says, I'm not old like trotting out a guy one year older. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, no, (laughs) listen, (laughs) listen, I'm telling you, I'm here to urge you to vote for that limber young whippersnapper, Joe Biden. (laughs) Turn down the bebop, Joe. (laughs) Stop doing the Charleston. There I did your little speech. Now where's my soup? (laughs) But it it might be hard to get voters to ignore the ravages of time because according to CNN... Voters bring up Biden's age constantly in focus groups using words like brain dead and mush. Come on. What are you doing? Never say mush around an 80-year-old man. He'll just get hungry and dinner's not till three. But Biden doesn't want any... I'm just thinking about how much Joe Biden loves these jokes. That's what I'm thinking right now. But Biden doesn't want anyone thinking he's too old for the job, which is why aides say his reaction to seeing news mentions of his age is to do a little jog in or out of his next public event and that, overall, he doesn't want to be a grandpa. He wants to be a bro. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Here we go. Ah, Here we go. Okay. Hey! (laughs) Hey, sup, sup, fam, I'm F. Biden. Caps on backwards, you peep my vibe. Let's buckle on our leather helmets, toss around the medicine ball, go for a little jog. Here we go. Okay, come on, let's go. Oh, heck, oh, heck, that pigeon's passing me. Come here, you roughneck ruffian. Now, speaking of health, EVER SINCE SAM ALITO AND THE BENCH BUNCH OVERTURNED ROE V WADE, REPUBLICANS ALL ACROSS THE COUNTRY HAVE BEEN LOOKING FOR WAYS TO TRACK AND RESTRICT ABORTION. IT BEING PRIVATE, THAT'S NOT AN EASY TASK, BUT ONE THING THEY'VE BEEN TARGETING IS APPS THAT HELP TRACK MENSTRUAL CYCLES. RECENTLY, THE VIRGINIA STATE SENATE PASSED A BIPARTISAN BILL TO KEEP LAW ENFORCEMENT FROM BEING ABLE TO ACCESS THESE APPS, WHICH SEEMS REASONABLE which is why it's being opposed by Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin, seen here not realizing he forgot to take off his picnic napkin before the speech. (laughs) Yesterday, Youngkin blocked the bill that would ban police from seeking menstrual histories. That's a clear invasion of privacy. The only person who should know when someone is menstruating is that person and the woman she makes discreet eye contact with before exchanging a tampon, then going on to win the lacrosse game. I only know what I see in commercials. <laughs> something, something. Staffers for the governor claim he killed the bill because it threatened the ability of law enforcement to investigate crime. Yes, oh yes. There's a lot of menstrual crime in this country. <laughs> you can see it all in the new hit CBS drama, NCPMS. <laughs> I'm sure. Who, who is in that? Gary Cole. Gary Cole is in that. Good to see him getting work. Ben Gazzara. This February twenty fourth will mark one year since Vladimir Putin thought he could take Ukraine in three days, and a year later he's losing just as hard as ever. In fact, a new estimate says that since the war started, Russia has likely lost more than half its tanks. I assume that means destroyed because it's got to be hard to lose a tank. <laughs> Damid Vasily, was it level F or level G? I- It's not just military supplies that are dwindling because we learned yesterday that due to economic sanctions from the West, Russia's Viagra supply has been cut off. So, even the tanks that they still do have look like this. (laughs) Russia's... Wow. They they did a slide. The tanks have a slide. Russia does have a plan, though. The Kremlin is now scrambling to commission generic erection pills. In fact, the Russian government says they already have one in development. Warning, is potato. <laughs> <laughs> of course, thank you. of course, there's plenty of crises right here in America at home. You see, on February 3rd, there was a horrific train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. That is potentially one of the worst environmental disaster in the nation's history. When this Norfolk Southern freight train derailed, it spilled 1.1 million pounds of something called vinyl chloride, an incredibly toxic carcinogen, which is also highly explosive. So as a safety measure, Norfolk Southern did what they called a controlled burn. And this is what they call control. Even worse, there were other dangerous chemicals in the spill, but Norfolk Southern didn't release the full list until over a week later on Sunday, February 12th. They released the list on Super Bowl. They were clearly trying to bury it because the only list of dangerous chemicals you want to read during the Super Bowl is on the side of your Doritos bag. (laughs) That's what makes the ranch so cool. (laughs) Now, five days after the derailment, people were told it was safe to go home despite residents complaining of trouble breathing, noxious smells, nausea, and headaches. Ohio officials are trying to get folks to come back home, reassuring residents that the air in East Palestine remains safe to breathe. Yes, pay no attention to your lying lungs. The tingling means the air is working. (laughs) Now, in response, in response to all this devastation, the folks over at Norfolk Southern offered $25,000 To the town. That's the whole town. East Palestine, Ohio, has about 5,000 residents. That's five bucks per person. Tell you what, sorry for turning your town to a lifeless hellscape. You know what might help? A footlong at Subway. There you go. (laughs) Sensing that may be not enough, Norfolk Southern is now offering residents $1,000 inconvenience checks. Really? You call this an inconvenience? That's like giving survivors of the Titanic a reimbursement for dampness. <laughs> Norfolk Southern, I think I speak for everyone when I say, Norfolk, you. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight.
0: More late show, poncho. After this.
1: watched the show, or my last show, or followed my career, you know that I am a Roman Catholic. And Lent is right around the corner. And as a Catholic, you're supposed to give up something that's kind of a daily treat, which means that this year, I may have to give up talking about New York Representative George Santos. (laughs) Because, and, uh... It feels like every day we learn a new outrageous lie from the congressman. He falsely claimed to have Jewish ancestry, said he was a star volleyball player at the college he never attended, claimed he had a role on Hannah Montana and was a producer on the disastrous Spider-Man musical. And now there are also legal concerns like the fact that his campaign has $365,000 in unexplained expenses and that he was once charged with stealing puppies From Amish dog breeders. Now, now, listen, listen, I know that sounds really bad, but it's important to remember it is. (laughs) Now, some of you may be asking, you may be asking, Steve, is George Santos sorry about any of this? Well, that answer may confuse you. Are you sorry?
0: I've been, I've said I was sorry many times. I've behaved as if I'm sorry. When you ask, Oh, you have not shown remorse, or you don't seem to look sorry. I don't know what looking sorry looks like.
1: Evidently, looking sorry is not one of the classes they teach at Imaginary Volleyball University. Well, given... Given his growing mountain of lies, ongoing investigations, and flagging of public support, who knows how long he can stay in office? Here to tell us how long he can stay in office, New York Congressman George Santos. (laughs) Congressman...
0: (laughs) Congressman Santos, thank you for joining us again. It's great to be back on your show, Hannah Montana. (laughs) I'm not... Okay.
1: Congressman, I'm surprised you agreed to be here since you tweeted out how upset you were with
0: people impersonating you on late-night shows. Of course I'm upset. Do you know how hard it is to turn on the TV and see an actor playing George Santos who is not only more believable than you are, but also way more attractive?
1: That must be hard. That must be hard. Now, sir, since we last talked, you were essentially forced to step down from all your
0: committee assignments. What have you been doing with your time? Oh, so much. I gave the State of the Union address, <laughs> shot down those spy balloons, <laughs> and performed at the Super Bowl halftime, where I revealed that I'm pregnant. Mazel TOV. What's that? I don't speak Jewish.
1: Well,. To that point, you, you've admitted to fabricating some of your backstory, but
0: you never seem to show enough remorse about it. Oh, come on, Stephen. What does sorry even look like? Is it this? <laughs> or this? <laughs> or maybe this? It's,
1: it's, it's not those. Congressman, I, I want to ask you a question about your personal life. <laughs> Which one? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You see... Yesterday, the House was asked to investigate your seven-year marriage to a Brazilian woman under the suspicion that that marriage was just a sham for her to get her
0: green card. (laughs) Well, as we say in volleyball, that's a yellow card.
2: Really?
1: You say it like Mario? You say that? Congressman, listen, I understand your confusion because you now claim to be married to a man, but the thing is, you've never been seen with that man, whoever it is, and you never wear a wedding ring. So what
0: exactly is your marital status? Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. How dare you ask me that on my wedding day? Who are you marrying now? I don't know. I just wanted to register so I can get this air fryer. (laughs) (laughs) These things are truly bulky. See? They're bulky to steal. (laughs) Congressman, at at, at this point, even
1: some Republicans are backing away from you. Aren't you worried about facing some sort of
0: House ethics investigation? (sighs) Bring on the ethics investigation. They won't find anything. Really? No wrongdoing? Uh, No. No ethics. (laughs) Okay. Okay, well, I
1: believe that. There you go. I believe that, especially considering the criminal charge that you stole puppies from an Amish dog breeder. Oh,
0: more lies from the Amish media. <laughs> I never stole any puppies. But, there, but there, there is clear evidence. There are
1: multiple checks with your name on them to the Amish dog breeder. How can you possibly
0: claim to be innocent? Oh, I have two will eyewitnesses right here. That's why. Right. Who's going to testify for me, huh? Stowing puppy number one oh, or wind puppy number two? OK, I see what you're doing, though. Those are very adorable. Oh, thank you. Do you want them? You can have them for $365,000. I'll even throw in an air fryer.
1: I don't need an air fryer.
0: No, I mean, give me the money or I'll throw them in the air fryer. Okay,
1: wait, you know what? I'm sorry I ever asked you on, and I personally do not see how you could possibly bounce back from all of this controversy. Oh,
0: easy, Stephen. With a big musical number for my Broadway show, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Hit it! Don't hit it, Louis. No, still hit it, Lewis! Oh, Spider-Man, where the lights go turning off the line. Representative Santos, everybody. We'll be right back with the Reverend Al Sharpton!
2: Listen to the Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the late show, folks. The first guest tonight has spent his entire life fighting for civil rights. He's now the subject of a new documentary, Loudmouth.
3: You don't have none of us under control. It was Howard Beach. It felt like a victory, but you knew that you won a case, not change the system. i had been in the movement since 12, and I knew the difference between moments and movements that won. So it was a good momentary victory.
1: Please welcome Reverend Al Sharpton. <laughs> Reverend, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you again. It's been a long time. Uh, you're talking in that quote, in that little clip we just saw there, about momentary victories and ongoing battles, the difference between the two of those. I know you, you just came back from Florida, from uh, an event down there, um, protesting the attempts to ban black history from classrooms in Florida. Um, Do you have a message for DeSantis and others who are trying to control that curriculum?
3: Well, I think that if we are to have the country or to become the nation that it proposes to be, we need to know everybody's history, and we need to celebrate everybody's history, and not censor it. And what uh, the governor is trying to do there, Governor DeSantis, is he's trying to use a cultural war to run for president. Us against them. I'm going to do this to the LGBTQ community. I'm going to do this with women's rights. I'm going to fly uh, migrants out of Florida and send them to Martha's Vineyard. I'm going to decide what makes whites uncomfortable in black history. Rather than saying the more we learn about the truth about all of us, it brings us all together. It's supposed to be the United States. But he thinks because his mentor and political daddy, Donald Trump, used race uh, to go into politics. Because don't forget, Donald Trump started with birtherism. That right. Obama was not one of us. He's trying to use the race wedge, so baby Trump that you call DeSantis is trying to use Black History Month to go and run for president. And some of us are saying that our history is too important to us to let that happen. Yeah. Yep.
1: Are you surprised, again, talking about momentary victories and ongoing battles, are you surprised that in this case, um, critical race theory, or CRT as it's abbreviated, um, is just being used as sort of a catch-all for anything that people don't like on the farthest right reaches of the Republican Party? Everything gets dumped in there, is used as a byword for um, uh, divisiveness. Are you surprised that it's being used as
3: quite such a cudgel? I think that I'm not as surprised as I am trying to make sure we dramatize it. That's what's happening. That's why we did the march yesterday, the rallies. We'll be doing others, because I think that there are the surprise. I think they have is that many people of different communities are now beginning to come together. Uh, I remember uh, when George Floyd happened, and I went uh, to uh, uh, do the funerals and uh, and work with the family on some of the rallies and marches. I went to some rallies. There were more whites than blacks saying that this is wrong. Uh, I remember that there was a young white 17-year-old young man in a place called B.B. Arkansas that was killed by police. His family called me and attorney Ben Crump to come in. Ben Crump became the lawyer for the family. I preached his funeral. They don't put that on right-wing news. I won't call their name because I don't advertise on your platform my uh, adversaries. Mm-hmm. No free rides, I believe we call it. No, that. no, no free rides, though, even though you and I are going to have to talk about me having to come out after, uh, Congressman Santos. But that's another time. <laughs> but, but, but I think that, that people are coming together more than they would have ever felt. Which is why Joe Biden beat Trump. Not because of a Democrat, because people don't want the division. People, people around America don't agree with me on everything, but they agree we all need to talk and deal with these issues. And I think that they have overplayed their hands in the terms of this divisiveness. Trump was president for four years, and it was always playing this polarization, and I think people are sick and tired of it. We have to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more. Al
1: Sharpton,
2: everybody. Stick around. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You mentioned uh, speaking at George George Floyd's funeral. You also spoke at Tyree Nichols' funeral. You also spoke at Alton Sterling's funeral. Eric Garner, Dante Wright. Um, Those of us who are not intimately involved, don't know the families, who are not there, can look at this and feel... Uh, inured to the horror of it after a while. How do you stay connected to any kind of hopeful message that you can bring to those who are in pain, some sort of way to, in a, in, in a, in a fresh way, to soothe the battered souls of those who suffer because of this kind of brutality? How do you keep that eulogy honest?
3: You know it, it, it is hard because you hear you say to yourself, "Here we go again," and you say to yourself, "What can I say?" And then the answer becomes that you need to go and encourage them to give meaning. You can't give the life back of their loved one, but you can say we need to fight to make sure this does not continue to happen. And because these these families didn't ask to become public figures, I chose what I do. I love what I do, feel I was called to do it. They didn't. So, you know, it, it, I, I tell uh, 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 my daughters uh, all the time, I ask God in my prayer. I'm, I'm very much uh, still a preacher. Don't look at me like that. You should be praying, too. But, every day? All right. All day, every day. And I said, why does this keep happening? And one day, uh, a minister said to me, God answered your prayer. He said, what's that? He said, God asked. I should be asking you, why does it keep happening? When are y'all going to stop it? God's not going to come down and stop us from doing these things. We have to do it. And that's what gives me the strength to go to these funerals and say, we need to look at this and fight to stop this. And these families have helped us to do that. So George Floyd happened. People have marched all over the world. We couldn't get the George Floyd Federal uh, Act through, Justice uh, Policing uh, Act through the Senate. Got it through the House of Representatives. But President Biden signed an an executive order, which is all Lincoln did with Emancipation Proclamation. So there's some incremental steps. Being that I grew up being trained by people in the civil rights movement, it took from the bus boycott of Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King in 55 to 64 to get a civil rights act. This is not something that's going to happen overnight. Look how long gays had to fight to get respected with LGBTQ rights. So if you're looking for a quick dash and a hashtag and to build your social media, you should not be in the movement. You gotta be in it for the long run. Touching on
1: L- let's get to this documentary that about you called Loudmouth. Do you like that that title for that? I'll documentary? be
3: honest. Uh... Kadar Massenburg, used to be president of Motown Records, came to me and said, there's a young white director uh, named Josh Alexander, who I've talked to, and I believe he's sincere, wants to do a documentary on you. And he said, John Legend, the entertainer, said he'll be the executive producer. They want to study how media has t- treated you from when you started in your teen years in the 80s all the way to now that you are uh, at a different kind of place in American psyche. He said, but three things I want to tell you before you agree. I said, "Okay, what is that? He said, one, you have no editorial control. You have no right to put in or take out anything. Two, the director, young white guy from San Francisco, Josh Alexander, he's going to direct it. You can't choose a different director. And three, we're going to call it Loudmouth. So I said, I can live with the first two. Let me think about the other. And I called him the next day, I said, you know what? Many of the civil rights guys before me, Martin Luther King, others, came from the South where you could do a rally, pass out flyers and make an issue in your town. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. We had to compete with Broadway lights, uh, Times Square, Broadway plays. Something happening all the time. You had to be loud in New York. You had to do outrageous stuff to get attention. And then once you got the attention, then you could focus on the issue, and you had to know how to uh, uh, deal with it in a way that you could lead to change. So yeah, call it loudmouth so people could understand why I was loud. So people used to talk about, oh, I remember him in track suits and, and uh, loud. That's how we were able to get a lot of the issues down. And I wore track suits because a lot of times we'd march, we'd end up getting arrested. I wasn't going to wear my good suit to jail. <laughs> The documentary
1: Loudmouth premieres on BET and VH1 on the 25th. Reverend Al Sharpton, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.